0: and welcome to another episode of Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. Um, I would like to start off with a big thank you to our sponsor, Ticket Spigot, who is an official NIAAA ticketing partner. And also today, I'm very excited because we have Jean Ken Ashen here. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks, Danielle, for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, I will kick it right off to my co-host, Dr. Dustin Smith. Who is going to um, give you a nice formal introduction, Jean Ken? And um, I'm very excited to hear some of your stories you have for us today.
1: Well, I, I was scolded before this began to not go too <laughs> in depth with Jean Ken, but um, my admiration for Jean Ken has started. Uh, actually, it was at a national convention. We were paired on the membership committee together. She was the outgoing chair, and I think she might have been onto something that she got out when I was coming onto the membership committee, uh, but. We made connection there, and Jean Ken has been uh, somebody that I have looked up to for since that time for sure, but our interaction was genuine. It was personable, and I think that's what's great about Jean Ken. Everyone that she contacts, is it's a genuine interaction with Jean Ken. She is as authentic as they come, and she has been a pioneer in the world of athletic administration. I've said that on a number of these occasions in a number of these episodes, but this is really true. And we'll we'll dive into that just a little bit with her. But Jean Kin is out in California, uh, and she's been an athletic director for, well, I think he said 25 years. Is that right, Jean King? That's close enough. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll round down if we have to. Yeah, we'll say 25 But Jean King is out in Salinas, California, and she's been an athletic administrator out there for a length of time. We'll just go with that. Uh, but Jean Ken is somebody who is notorious and actually has a lot of pressure on her shoulders come every national convention because she's in charge of baking um, and baking goodies for a lot of people, and they've kind of become a staple and an expectation. So I'm excited not to just talk about her baking endeavors, but to talk about these stories that uh, over the years have, have probably brought some laughter to Jean Ken in her life, but she is. She is not only an athletic administrator. She is an avid crossfitter. And for those of you who know the CrossFit cult, I mean CrossFit world, know what kind of dedication that takes. And she's a 5:30 a.m. person. So she's out there working out with the crazies at 5:30. And um, that was the case in Arkansas. I'm sure that's the case in California as well. So without further ado, I, I want to welcome Eugene Cannon. Thank you for taking the time and being on the podcast with us.
0: Well, it is always good to see you, Dustin. And I know when you say you look up to me, you mean that literally. So
1: um, (laughs) I wouldn't point that out, but yeah,
0: yeah, that's across the board. When you're six foot four, you hear lots of those jokes throughout your entire life. So it's okay; I I can take it. So again, thank you for having me this morning.
1: Well, we also found out that Jean Ken wears shorts (laughs) like 350 days out of the year. She she wears as much as
0: I do. Yeah. <laughs> California and Florida, that's a place to be. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Gene, Ken, I like
1: to start off our podcast when I ask this question, and I think it's important for our listeners to know. I gave you a brief introduction. I didn't go into all the accolades and all the things, but I, I want to know what the resume is not going to tell me about Gene Ken. What makes Gene Ken function as a person? What makes you happy? What is the resume not going to tell me about who you are?
0: Well, I think the one of the most important parts for me is this where I'm standing today is where I went to high school. So there's a special love of your own high school. There's those four years of your life are just a really important time. And when I started on that first day of high school, I had come from a very small private school, um, a, a Catholic school right across the street, and I wanted to go to the Catholic school. My parents said, No, you're gonna go to a co ed school where you're gonna learn about life. Um, and that first day of high school made a, a definite impression upon me. A woman, um, she's probably about five feet tall, maybe. And here I was six two, so I had grown another two inches, dragged me into the locker room and she yelled, Look what I found about me. And it was a it was kind of a It was an aha moment in my life where all of a sudden I had walked around for the first 13 years of my life hunched over and making sure nobody saw me because I was tall and gangly and awkward and everything to go with that. And this woman brought me into a locker room that said, this is where you can shine. And so sports became that part for me. And there was a woman, Fran Maycumber, who was the athletic director who started the school. She was the athletic director for me. And then when I came back in 1992, the woman who was the athletic director was had been my volleyball coach in high school. When she retired, I took over. So in 63 years, there have been three of us in this high school, and there has always been a woman in some form of leadership. Both of them were the girls' athletic director. We had girls and boys back then. Um, And then about halfway through my career, our district said, we're going to have what? And somebody said, well, you should apply for the boys. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get the boys. The boys is going to get the girls, right? Well, that didn't happen. I became the boys and girls athletic director. And so that's where I stand again today doing that. And so I just think there's something special about being at your alumni, you know, being with, being a Viking, you know, I've been a Viking all my life. And I tell people, people say, well, how long have you been here? Well, this is your 50 for me. I started as a freshman in 1972, and when this freshman class comes in, will be my 50th year. So it's just a really special place close to my heart. Uh, both of our daughters went through here, graduated in 2011 and 2013, and just it's just a really special place to me.
1: But you mentioned something that we can't sweep under the rug. 50 years, uh, it's a significant year, not just for the number of years you've been part of, uh, being a Viking, but for the important thing of what Title IX is and when that passed, um, you have seen it from the from when <laughs> it started to, to now. And just talk about that evolution of what Title IX has been and the impact that it's had in your life and what you've seen in your years through Title IX. Well, those 37
0: words changed my life. I'm I'm convinced that I would not be talking to you today if it weren't for those 37 words. And so I don't take that lightly, but I also don't take lightly the people who came before me who gave me this opportunity. And I would say 25 years ago when I started in the NIAAA, 26, 27, whatever it is, um, there was no line at the bathroom for the girls. There was no line. No line, no waiting. And today, um, you see the influx of women who now, once in a while, you've got to wait in line. And it's a really nice feeling. Uh, for me, personally, that first year, um, we have two gymnasiums right right down there. And I'm here at our high school. One was the girls' gym and one was the boys' gym. And I wasn't allowed in that boys' gym um, my first year of high school. I, I was in there for rallies, but I wasn't in there for games. Um, My games were played out on the blacktop, and there was punch and cookies, and I wore a penny with my bloomers. Um, We didn't have a uniform my freshman year in high school, Um, and again, that was 1972, and then by the time we left, by the time I left in 1976, we were playing in the main gym, Um, and then the small gym was used for practices and things, Um, but just the amount of growth um, and just the appreciation, I mean, giving back to what's going on. I tell people today, it's like, would you sit a boy and a girl down in a math classroom and say, okay, here's your, here's your book for the boy, but no, that you can't have a book. Um, and so we didn't know any better back then. Well, we had a bunch of women here who made sure that we had opportunities to, to play. Um, and that's what made the difference. I think How cool is way. that that you're yeah you're there from you know freshman to senior year and you can kind of see it over the four court like the course of your high school career I think that's a very unique perspective definitely I think I think if I wouldn't have been in there I would have had a different perspective but so the freshman year not you know you're out on the blacktop sophomore year you get to go in there a little bit by the junior year I had gotten to be a pretty good basketball player and the the boys coach said you can come in and start to practice with us a little bit if you teach my guys how to jump rope. So let's go back to CrossFit, Dustin. My number one superpower in CrossFit are double unders. That is my superpower. So that is the only one of the few things I'm very good at at CrossFit. But those 20 something and 30 something year olds hate it because it's something I'm good at and they're not. Um, So he said, you come in there and you teach my guys to jump rope and I'll let you work out with the guys. And so by the end of that time, we were playing in the main gym with the uniform on. Um, I still have that one. I used to, I had to wear it for volleyball and basketball, which today we would never think of. Um, but we, we got to see that pattern of growth um, for and the support for females and for girls. And to this day, that happens here, um, I think, because in, in part, there has been a woman um, who has made it. A priority for those 63 years of our of our high school.
1: So when we talk about here, I mentioned you're in Salinas, California, but can you put that on a map for people that may be geographically challenged to kind of know where that's at? Well, I'm in the salad bowl capital of the world. So
0: if you are eating lettuce, strawberries, artichokes, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli, Um, uh, strawberries. Um, We're about 100 miles south of San Francisco, but we're right on the coast, Monterey County. Um, So Monterey, when you watch the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and uh, those are the golf courses that are right around us. Um, But I'm in a very rural area. We're very agricultural-based. Lots of farm workers, um, migrant workers who come and stay in Salinas and then go to Arizona in the winter and then return to us. So um, there is no better place. The, the temperatures between probably really 50 and 70, about 300 days of the year. Um, we get a real hot spell. It might get to 80 um, and it might get cold once in a while, but, but not very often. But it is a beautiful uh, place to live. We're a city of about 150,000 and um, just it's just a gorgeous spot. Let's see how many people will come by. <laughs>
1: yeah we were we were thinking that I'm thinking as you're saying that when you say going to Arizona for the winter what does the yeah. winter really look like
0: Yeah yeah they uh, well they follow the crops so those crops grow here right now it's our season um and so uh like I said everything is in full bloom just it's just the freshness of our our produce is is just amazing. Uh, the weather we get lots of nice fog, which keeps things nice and warm, and it's like a little blanket
1: for our vegetables and fruits. So. <laughs> I can tell you, winter here looks a whole lot different than winter there, Gene. Yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't have
0: those seasons that you have back in the east. No.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but- we we painted some picture of where you're at, and I know over the course of the time, and we've talked about Title IX and those changes. So I think that's remarkable for you to be able to witness that from the from when it passed to even today, oh, yeah. the push that we all have to try to to really shed light on the 50th anniversary of Title IX. But let's talk some stories. Let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. Let's let's goof around. Let's let's make some people laugh let's do this
0: <laughs> where do you want me to start Wait, my funniest one
1: yeah
0: so the one that i thought of as you were as we were talking the last month or so when we were just talking about ideas so i part of me has always wanted to write a book that's called you can't make this blank up right (laughs) we've all thought that as athletic directors right sometimes Mm -hmm. you just look and you think to yourself this can't this can't be real so i am in charge of school vans we have four of them Uh, we have four vehicles they're used by a variety of people not just athletics but i get to be in charge of them so that i can coordinate the schedules so um special education uses them going to food banks going to places so uh, one of our teachers was going to san francisco Taking the Japan Club up there for the for uh, something on a weekend. Give them the van keys, tell them where the vans are. Here's the number, this is the number, takes the van. That Saturday, I get a call in the night from him. I got a couple calls from him. Hey Gene, the, the van won't start. And I said, Yeah, you know, you got well, just call and see. You can call here's the number to call, they'll take it. Oh, never mind, it just started. Okay. Gets to the next spot, and I think they went and saw a play. Gets to the next spot, and for whatever reason, he he texts me and says, um, "I didn't start again, but it started. It's all good." I said, "Okay, just make sure you put it back, you know, where, where it belongs." So on Monday morning, I come in, and you know, we 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 look at the vans and we um, getting ready to gas them up, etc. And I look at this suburban. It's a white suburban. It's not our van. So. This van, these vans are parked right behind our shops where they're supposed to. This teacher took this, this key and he went out to the student lot, which is adjacent to where I told him, Saturday morning, puts it into a white Suburban. That key started that Suburban. He took that Suburban to San Francisco, brings it back. That belonged to some people who were playing soccer that Saturday on our campus. (laughs) I go out to look at this van and I, I open it up and it opens with the key actually. And I go, why is there a car seat in here? So there's a baby car seat in here and it's filthy. I said, what the heck? What did he put in here? I go to the back of the van. It doesn't have any school markings on it. We open the glove box. We look to find out who the driver is, right? We make a phone call. They work right here at the Social Security Building. Thankfully, they have had no Suburban for Saturday and Sunday now. It's been in our back lot. They come over. They don't file a police report against this guy. <laughs> They're the most gracious people, but I have no idea. I had no idea he would work in different place. us. Wasn't, wasn't even our van. So, <laughs> so again, can't make that up. Just and, and we still laugh to this day because when he wants because he still works here, I said if you're gonna borrow the van, remember on the back it says North Salinas High School. <laughs> and there's a number that matches that number. It's just like is you know, is the key like a actual key or is it just yeah. like a um like a push button or no, it was an actual key. It opened the the driver's side door and started the ignition.
1: And it, yeah. did it not dawn on him that there was a car seat in there that may not have been that?
0: That's what I said to him. When you saw the car seat, did you think maybe he goes, well, I wasn't sure maybe somebody left it here and, you know, took their kid with them? Or I said, okay.
1: I mean, in his defense, it started and the key unlocked it. So, I mean...
0: It wasn't where it was supposed to be, though. <laughs> <laughs> you should always go to where it's supposed to be.
1: <laughs> you imagine being those people playing soccer and coming out thinking, where in the cat hair is my suburban?
0: Well, that was the woman that I talked to. I said, I am so sorry. What did you do on Saturday? Well, we luckily, we live fairly close and we have fa- friends and family. So we just made it. I said, so that was goes back to that cookie thing. Oh, she got a big plate. Yeah, a I really know. big plate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: I mean, man. I can just see this happening because like I'm guilty of if I rented a car, like I just go outside and like hit the lock <laughs> button repetitively until I figure out what, where it might be. Yeah, is. I think now I'm not sure you could do it. But even our one our you know, still two of our cars today. I mean, our new ones have the the button, but our old ones have that. But I still don't understand how it worked. How did our school van key working in somebody else's car so
1: that's a mystery you may never solve said, that is probably true yeah, i wonder if there was enough gas to get to san francisco and back because you said you're what an hour away yeah i was just gonna ask
0: there was i think he had to put a little bit of gas in it which is unusual too because we have them ready for our users but you know sometimes that will happen but he said yeah just put a little bit in it so i could get back
1: I was like, okay. Uh, I mean, kudos to the family for not filing a police report then saying our car's been stolen. I mean, yeah. it just, just the patience that that would take. Because I can tell you, my wife would freak smooth out. <laughs> I'd be dealing with that. And not only trying to find a, a vehicle that's been removed, no. but a wife. Well,
0: suburbans, suburbans roof aren't roof. cheap either.
1: No. Well, and I, they
0: filed a police report. They just didn't press each. They didn't, the they didn't press way. each. You know what I'm saying. The police came and they met with us. They found out what happened and they were like, "Oh, okay." So luckily, mm-hmm. that's another good thing about living in a small town, right? Everybody kind of knows everybody, and so people are a little bit more uh, give each other grace. So they
1: were very. That's a lot you know, of a grace.
0: Crazy. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. Tell you had their car for two days.
1: Yeah, that's two days worth of grace.
0: <laughs> and the gas prices at $6.10 right now in California, a gallon, Ooh. you know, so.
1: I mean, it cost him yeah. something because he had put gas in it to get back. But Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm I just trying to, as we talk through these stories and we listen to this, this blank that happens that you can't make mm-hmm. up, um, I, I think about your reaction Monday morning. When you walk in and start thinking about, you know, I'm sure you had a schedule for somebody else maybe to take the vehicle out that day. And did you load? I mean, yours was still there apparently. Correct. Well, that's why there
0: was one extra. So when you go out there, you go. So the first thing I thought is who parked next to the vans? I can't get them out. That was the first thing I thought of, right? So I just thought it was a teacher. And then when he gave me back the key and I went and I said, wait a minute, this isn't even our van. I thought he had just put the other van back there. He, so I said, come and show me where you put the van. So he comes down. He goes, here it is. Well, then he shows me the van that's not ours. I just assumed it was a teacher's or, you know, a staff member's. And so I said, what do you mean that van doesn't belong to us?" He goes, yeah, well, watch. I, it up with the key. I said, uh, blank, I don't want to say, use his name. Did you see this isn't our car? Look, this doesn't even have our our information in this house, uh, somebody else's, you know, uh, registration in a glove box. So, so he was like, he was just as shocked um, as everybody else. So I'd like to try to like put our, you know, myself in, in the situation and like, I don't, I don't become speechless often, but I feel like this is the time where I just sort of like stared at the van for a minute and been like, I don't. I don't know, I don't actually know here, yeah, I we, my principal right away got involved right away because the police came over, right, so we I called uh, we we have we're lucky to have we had a school resource officer, right? So I go to the school resource officer and I said, Wait, hey, Dave, we got somebody else's vehicle, but I don't want to call the police. Can you help me figure out how to get a hold it so he fought. Finds out that they filed a police report, right? Finds out who they are and we call them together, you know, kind of thing. So luckily it wasn't like we had to go through the police department, but my principal is standing there and she's just thinking to herself, oh, you know, she's worried that they're going to take this teacher away for stealing this car, right? Because he stole someone's car. And I'm just thinking, please, because we're going to have to get a substitute. And she's like, I "I think that's the least of our worries. I think we better be hopeful that these people are really nice.
1: You know, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can look behind and over Gene Ken's shoulder. You can see what my reaction may have been. And John Wooden is in the picture there. And he just kind of... And her being a California girl, she could probably attest to this being a John Wooden fan. I'm a big John Wooden fan. But I think with that look that you can see, there's a equal parts ponder, anger, and probably lessons to be taught. And I think that's probably all maybe. around in his mind. <laughs> and I think that's probably what I would have done in that situation. I may have been looking just like John Wooden was there.
0: <laughs> and what's funny is we now have numbers on the back, so we didn't have numbers at the back we there was there's a big thing that says Salinas Union High School District on the door, right so you can't miss it however, now we every van after that happened in the entire district now has a, the number on the back along with the with the decal on the
1: side so and I think I' am with the company. Do I have a key that will work in multiple vehicles? <laughs> it's <laughs> happening again.
0: You might as well just keep trying. That's what I said to myself. I said, well, let's go see how many, uh, maybe I can find a nicer car. <laughs> you know, maybe upgrade. I can find a new car. <laughs>
1: uh, you can upgrade if you have to. Just whatever, <laughs> whatever yeah, you need. Just that try one.
0: That's what I said. How does a key work? I, that's, I was just, I, I, I said to him, how could that, I, I didn't believe him at first, but then I thought, well, how did he get it? Obviously, it's true. You know, he's, he's kind of lucky that he made it home. Because could you imagine if he actually made it there, okay? And then it wouldn't start to come back home. Well, Danielle, my thing was this. After reflecting upon it, my thing was the car was reported stolen. Let's just say he was transporting the kids in the car, right? How about getting stopped by the CHP at gun or by some type of law enforcement on the side of the road coming home. That's when I said to myself, you're just lucky you got back. Because obviously if he got pulled over, I would assume that when you are guilty of stealing a car, that there's probably going to be guns drawn. So...
1: So it wasn't a white oh, Ford like Bronco a, is what you're telling me.
0: Right, it was not a white Ford Bronco.
1: <laughs> I saw that chase play out. so I, could I did know. too, <laughs> I did
0: too. Uh, I, That's a very good point, though. I didn't even, I'm more concerned about, you know, him getting back and forth, but you're right. If he just, you know, got caught on the highway and got pulled over, that would have been a whole nother mess <laughs> that you would have been like, what? Right.
1: What? Well, yeah, and, <laughs> Now with the key fobs, if they're not in the car, then it won't start. Right. If you get so far away, so he he dodged a few bullets there.
0: <laughs>
1: Pun <Yeah>. intended.
0: <laughs> old, old stuff is good sometimes. So yes. yeah, vintage cars are sometimes good. <laughs> you may call it old. I call
1: it classics.
0: Okay, classic. I'll go with that. <laughs> I feel like after this happened, I probably would have like walked my coaches to the van for a bit. Just oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. There was there was a definite. Yeah. Well, like, and plus, you know, I think as athletic directors, we always look at how could I have made that better, right? I'm part of this challenge, mm-hmm. right? So I, I need to be would have clearer directions. I need to walk them out there. I need to do that. This was a teacher who had taken the van several times, so. You know, again, I don't know how but, so, but we always are looking for like how could I have prevented it, right? Or how mm. could I be maybe I wasn't very clear. Maybe I need to do you know, we I think as athletic directors we're always doing that. So I did take part of it, but part of it I just shook my head and like Dustin said just I
1: think <laughs> I think a lot of the best professional development is hands-on, obviously when you yeah. can sit in there and say, Hey, this is a real life application. And as we take away, as we make takeaways from this story, you think about how it improved the process for you, how it improved the process in turn for the coaches and the other people that will be using the vehicles to say, hey, this is a moment that happened, not to run the guy in the ground for no. a mistake. I mean, the key worked in the vehicle that wasn't sure. his. It's hard to blame him yeah. completely. Uh, but At the same time, the processes that were able to be improved because of what happened was stuff you don't find in a book. It's just life experience and ways to improve what you're doing.
0: Yeah, by far, by far. I think that's part our job, really. I mean, I have lots of books, and I have lots of binders, and I have lots of things. But one of the things I think that is just so special about this role is that I have never had the same day of school in any one day never never in my entire career have i come in and gone okay here's what i'm going to do today and it's all done and now i'm going to go home or you know this is what's going on i mean from the worst crisis when you lose a child right when you lose somebody um to the simplest things that come up right you know uh, that you just can't, you just can't anticipate. You can't anticipate everything that's going on. And the, we have so many stakeholders that we deal with, you know, from parents to staff, to administration, to opponents, to officials that you just don't know whatever's going to happen. You just can't plan for every single situation. Like I love when an AD will call me and say, what would you do? And you <laughs> go, you have to, you need a little bit more background, right? You got to say, well, you know, what, what is going on at your site or what do you know? Or um, we're going to have eight new athletic directors in our league next year, starting in two months and out of 32. So it's going to be a whole new ball game. And I always take it upon myself to be the flashing, blinking neon sign for athletic administration. You know, I give them the NIAAA development booklet. I do all the things, but 99% of the time when they call me, it's not anything from there. It's like, can you? I can't believe what just happened. How do I blank right? Um, and those are the things I think that make it so cool to be in a profession where I can just pick up the phone and say, "Hey, Dustin, what'd you do in Arkansas?" Because it's going to relate to what I'm doing right here in California. And Danielle, what'd you do in Florida? We're so much more alike than we are different. Even though we have mm-hmm. different areas, different kids, different people, our challenges seem to be
1: very similar. I think that's what's cool about the profession is that it may be lonely where we're at because not a lot of people understand what we do on our campus, but the network that we've built and the people that we can reach out to, if I can, like you said, if I need to call Gene Kim, I can call Gene Kim and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. Give me your perspective. And maybe it's a different set of eyes that maybe is not on my campus that really may not have an idea of what I'm dealing with. But we have a common bond in that what we do is lonely at, at our place sometimes. But
0: Miguel, can you please go on my phone five? I forgot 9-0. to turn the radio off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the stuff you can't plan for. <laughs> I turned off my
0: phone I turned off my phone and I turned off my um my watch, but not the radio. <laughs> so, oh, but the best late plans. Yeah, I, I agree with you get um Dustin. I just feel like um we are singletons most of the time on our campus. Um, a lot like the band director, right? And the theater, uh, director. Um, and so it's important for us to have, I feel like I, the NIAAA and CSADA and, and the, my, the opportunities I've had, I could leave Salinas today and drive to Arkansas and find somebody to stay with along the way who would say, come on in, let's share stories. Um, and when we call each other, sometimes we're not looking for an answer. We're just looking for somebody that says, "Oh, I've been there, and it's going to be all right." And remember what you're doing. You're serving kids, and remember what you're doing is making a difference in your community. And remember we're we're all going to be fine. Um, I think that's what we call why we call each other a lot of times too, or email or text or whatever, um, just to feel like we have that support.
1: And speaking of support, I think Ooh. it's a big tip of the cap that the. The coach was still there and still employed. You're still employed. The principal <laughs> didn't go out on a rim and just start whacking people and saying, you're out of here. I yeah. mean, just grace was extended <laughs> in a lot of different areas <laughs> and obviously it wasn't something you could control. And you just say, Hey, you know where the van is. Take it. You just expect yeah. that they're going to do that. But the fact that you all still were employed and it didn't <laughs> take a drastic turn is, is kudos to everybody there.
0: True. I probably would have uh maybe given them some like lifelong season passes. <laughs> <little> passes <laughs> To every single game. Little envelope on the front seat. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that couple wanted, we were pretty we were pretty good with. <laughs> we, fact, I said, time. Do you want me to take and get it washed? Do you want me to fill it up? And they were so I I mean they could have been they were so gracious. They're like, Oh no, it's just a mistake. We understand. I was like I don't think I'd have been that gracious.
1: Yeah, you could have said, "Hey, I got a key. I can take it whenever I need to." <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't worry, we'll be in your we'll borrow when we need it. Did you try the key yourself? Because I feel like after my coach told me the key worked, I was like, "Give me the key. I'm gonna try." It. Yeah, well, he, thats why I—that's what was weird. Like I said, we have four vehicles, and there was five back there, and so he returned the key to me, and so I went back to. Open it, and it wouldn't open that door. I tried it on the the one that doesn't belong to us. Well, for, well, no. First of all, I opened up the one that he was supposed to take, and I was like, he didn't even take this. Why? This van hasn't even moved, right? So then I see the white one that's right next to it, and I said, no way, he did not take that car. And sure enough, <laughs> I go over, and that's how I got in the glove box. So that that's how I that's how we got it. Okay. That,
1: I, I can tell you, we've done several of these episodes, and not one of them has had somebody steal a car. Yeah, but you, you were the first was car on
0: fire. By <laughs> not stealing,
1: I mean, <laughs> that's, true. that's a trophy you can have. And I think I, knowing your skills every year at the anniversary of that date, I may have had a plate full of goodies for those people. Just
0: oh, I probably should have thought of that. <laughs> considered that. But Like I said, they they were so nonchalant that I just couldn't believe it. So nonchalant. They are probably so happy that their car wasn't actually stolen. And I that it just went, it went on a little field trip and came on back and it was all positive. It wasn't like it was, you know, abused or or anything yeah. along those lines. So they probably were just really happy that yeah, it wasn't actually gone. Yeah, I think relief was part of their uh what just DNA. I mean, like I said, the the husband and the wife both came and they were just wow, that's kinda weird, isn't it? That that fit bar fits in your in that car. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. And thankfully it wasn't worst case scenario with a kid actually in the car seat. I mean, it was just a car seat. Empty. <laughs> I mean, point two. It could hopefully have gone whole- he Hopefully,
0: he wouldn't have taken that car.
1: Right. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hopefully not. I, mean, I that this just baffles me that that key would work in a different vehicle. You
0: know, I, and I'm trying to like put this into like my exact situation, like my coaches would have texted me and called me and been like, this is dirty. I'm not taking it. Like they, would have, they would have instantly been like, no, yeah. it's dirty. I won't yeah. take it. <laughs> like, there were papers everywhere. So, I mean, they had, they were, they, they had left papers, you know, in there and so that he had just put them up on the dashboard, you know, assuming it was probably like a kid's paperwork or schoolwork or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So you just put it up on the dashboard and move the car seat and that's like, okay. So you're returning
1: the cleaner. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking of the red flags that have been going off in my head, if I'd have sat in there. And as you explain this now, I mean we can look back on it and say, I would have I would have checked that box and checked that box and checked that box. But in that moment when you're thinking, All right, I've got to get to San Francisco. I've got to get up there and I've probably had a deadline to do it. And if it's like my coaches, they may not have been planning a lot of time between departure and when they (laughs) needed to arrive. So it was just a matter of solving a problem. He found the solution. He was gone. He just thought that. And the key key worked. Right. Right. I
0: feel like that's like such an important part of this, right? Because like, I've never heard of a key working in a different vehicle. This is the first time I've ever heard of that. So the key worked. I don't feel like I would have given it a lot of second thought either. Yeah, it didn't work. It worked. Like I said, when he called the other two times, it was, you could tell. And then it would work again and he'd get it started again, you know, but it wasn't the perfect key. Was just the good enough key to get it open. Yeah.
1: But there's some John Wooden lessons that can be taught about that. Mm You need the perfect key, not the just good enough key.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What's funny that you that you like John Wooden, Dustin? Um, I'll go back to 1972, and um, he was the first basketball coach to open up a summer camp for girls. So he did a camp down at Point Loma, which is in San Diego. So it's about eight hours south of me. And I'm the oldest of five. My parents said, "Okay, you can go to John Wooden's basketball camp. We're going to go take the other four to San Diego. And we're going to um, go to the San Diego Zoo and to the Wild Animal Park and Marine World. And you're going to go to basketball camp. And that week pretty much changed my life, too, Um, going to a camp with John Wooden. And the next year I went to he had a camp with John Wooden and Bill Sharman, who was coaching the Lakers at the time. And that's where I met my coach for the week was Billy Moore, who happened to uh, do. She was our Olympic coach in 1976 in Montreal, women's basketball. And that's how I ended up playing college basketball for her and being recruited. Uh, And so uh, He also signed one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. When I had our oldest daughter on my lap at Polly Pavilion, I scored my career high at Poly Pavilion. So it's kind of a close to my heart. And he also came up here for an evening with the legends with Pete Newell. So they sat on a rocking chair, the two of them and just told basketball stories forever. Um, And basketball is my love. Actually, when I was, um, coaching at UC Irvine, I went through French Lick just so I could see a a statue. Right. Um and so going through Indiana and being part of that um and at the NC2A hall, they have the basket in there, the old peach basket, you know, and all of that. So John Wood was one of one of my idols. Uh we had a really good speaker at our conference this year, Lynn Garrett who helped develop the curriculum for John Wooden um, course and a lead, leadership course for coaches and things. And so just really blessed to have known him. And he was such a gentleman, such a gentleman. My favorite basketball player was Kareem, Lew Alcindor at the time. Right. So right. that's why I wore 33 when he was drafted by the Bucks, And so I was always, I'm still Viking 33. So, so that is, that's my call.
1: You didn't wear 33 in honor of the Hick from French League?
0: No. No, I did not. I wore it in honor of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's funny. We've been. You know, I'm sure you both have had several principles in your career. I've had many. And so one, again, I won't use names, uh, I've always been biking 33 on the radio. And so she, she came in when she said, well, I'm going to renumber everybody. So you're going to be one, two, three, four, you know, and she gave everybody a number. And so... I didn't really say anything. I was like, whatever. So one day, I think she was calling Viking. I think I was six or something. I don't know what it was. And I said, "If you you can give me any number you want. However, if you want me to answer you, you're going to need to say Viking 33. <laughs> because that's the only thing that my brain responds to. So if you want me to help with whatever it is, call Viking 33. So she gave me back 33. <laughs> And so what happened, too, is the other story, I don't know. Well, there's probably in that 1972, my parents brought me back a poster of a giraffe. And so I have about a thousand giraffes since 1972 um, from different types of sculptures, from uh, pens, pencils, behind me on the other side where it's too messy. I didn't want to go in that way. I every person brings me a giraffe. So uh for Mother's Day this last year, our daughters got me a giraffe tattoo. Very nice. <laughs> so you know,
1: I've got a real quick John Wooden story and I know I know this is a story for you and this is a chance for you to spotlight, but I, I gotta tell this John Wooden story. The the head basketball coach right now for the Lady Razorbacks is Mike Neighbors. And Mike Neighbors coached the University of Washington, got him to the final four. And uh, he is actually a Greenwood High School graduate, which is where I'm at. Well, he was an assistant at Tulsa at the time. And John Wooden came to Tulsa to talk and give a speech. And and so Mike Neighbors was in charge of babysitting him before he went out there. So he he had to entertain him for 45 minutes. So it's just him and John Wooden in a room, and he he idolized John Wooden. And so he's sitting there, and he says, Coach, I got a question for you. And John Wooden just kind of in that stoic look like over your shoulder and just kind of sat there and crossed his legs and said, all right, shoot, Coach. And Coach said, why do you call it a pyramid of success? It's more like a triangle of success. And he said Coach Wooden just kind of looked at him real quiet, Crossed his other leg over, and sat there. And Coach Neighbors was like, "Oh, great! I have pissed off John Wooden right here. I mean, I got 45 minutes to sit here with him. I made him mad." And he said, "Coach, you can teach an old dog new tricks. You're right. That is a that is a triangle, not a pyramid." And so he, Mike Neighbors has a drawing, like the third ever drawing of the Pyramid of Success, that was signed by. John Wooden that said, you have taught an old dog new tricks and made it a true pyramid instead of the triangle that it was originally. So it went from a really awkward moment to something where John Wooden, even in his advanced age, an educator like he was, was able to be educated himself. So uh, anyway, Mike Neighbors has that that frame picture that John Wooden signed for him. That was like the third iteration of his pyramid of success.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of pictures with him from camp, and he was he was not too excited about being taught having a girl taller than him. So the first picture, um, one year is him sitting and he's pushing up so he can kind of be like a little bit taller because he's only about, you know, 5'8", five, 5'7", five, whatever. So it was kind of funny. Uh, but talk about just, you know, he could keep a group of campers in the palm of his hand showing you how to put on your socks. I mean, he's famous for teaching you how to put on your socks, um, but you could hear a pin drop when he was doing things. And so, yeah, he is just such a class act, such a class. I love his his children's book. I read to um, classes here. Sometimes teachers want teachers to come in and read to kids to really instill the love of reading. And I love to read. Um, and so I read Inch and Miles. The, his children's book, John Wood's children's book, to those kids. And it's just a great book um, to talk about the things that we care about as a society. and Some of the civility, I think, that's gone away in our society needs to be brought back. And if you just use that pyramid and you use some of the things he talks about, they're great talking points, I think, for kids. Um, even high school kids love to be read to. Um Not just elementary school kids, and so I love to go in my daughter my daughter teaches fifty feet down the hall from me, and um I'll get to go into her classes some days and read to them and i I really enjoy that
1: well, what I also enjoy reading I'm reading Wooden's Forgotten teens right now that I don't know if you've read that book, but it's really it's really neat to see behind the curtains a little bit of you you know John Wooden from 10 national championships. You know the success that he had, but the forgotten teams are ones that people don't really talk about. Obviously, the word forgotten is in there, but it's a great book, and I recommend that for people who who like to read, like yourself.
0: Yeah, the Coach and AD magazine. I like when they put their top 20 books out for athletic directors, so like summer reading. Right. Um, and I just I love to just kind of order a few of them and see which ones I like. Um, you know the whole chopping wood, carry water, whatever one. I just you know I did did that one last summer, and um, right now I'm reading the one about Suleiman, the Grisham book. So it's about the basketball player from South Sudan. Um, so I, mean, I just love reading.
1: I'm I'm reading Boys it. in the Boat right now. Have you read it? I have
0: not, but I've seen the
1: seen the it, reviews on it. It's a lengthy read, but it's a good read. Talking about the 1936 Olympic rowing team. Just so you know, Danielle, just to Educate our listeners on on some good novel reading or some just some reading, and sometimes I think that's important for a d s and for me that's that's my release to be able to read and kind of separate from what i do um It gives me my little stress relief and my little my little Zen moment I guess you could call it. My wife calls me her book nerd when she walks around and sees me reading she's like, Good night, what are you doing now?' What book are you reading? You don't even enjoy reading. You read them so fast. But I think that's important for me, and I think that's an important lesson for any AD listening. Find whatever it is for you that separates you from the job, that gives you a moment of, okay, it's going to be okay.
0: Well, there's definitely like a good Danielle Steele book on the lake. You know, you don't have to worry about a dang thing when you read a Danielle Steele book. I love C.J. Box. I love a good mystery. So I'll try and find a series of books And get them at the library in big print so you can read them on the on the beach and um i still like a paper book so i'm not into that ipad book or
1: i'm going to share some with you after we're done with this but let's not talk about books anymore we're going to bore people that aren't bookworms like you and i um my daughter makes it better when it's not a book nerd she'll say dad you're a bookworm i'm just make that sound better
0: I'm just, I have a three-year-old, so like Brown Bear, Brown Bear, what do you see is really the highlight of the books at the moment? Danielle, there is a timeline. Let me explain it to you. If you can get, right now, if you can get through Brown Bear, you're doing great. By the time we get to five, you might get to have a magazine at the lake, maybe. You might get to have a magazine at the lake. But pretty soon, eventually, you will get to read a book at the lake. Mm -hmm. That was the evolution of our two daughters coming through the lake. It was the first year you don't even get to read a magazine. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean I'm going to pay attention to you at the water the entire time? (laughs) It'll be all right. It'll be
1: okay. Let's talk about, I know you had a, you you told us you had a wrestling weigh-in story. Uh, do you want to jump in on that one, or do you have another one that you thought of? I
0: can tell you that one. Um, It's just a simple one. And, and again, uh, you don't know what you don't know, right? Um, And so I had just become the boys' athletic director. And back then we didn't have any girls wrestling. Now we have almost 20 girls wrestling. So it, it's things are changed, right, in 2022. So this was probably late 90s maybe when we were still not – doing things very well with wrestling uh kids were trying to lose weight etc so i'm standing inside the girls locker room and there's a scale they come in the door they weigh i write it down on this paper that the uh official had given to me so i said okay so so i first kid walks in i weigh that kid but well one kid walks in takes off all of his clothes Every single piece of his clothing. <laughs> I am standing here. Here's the scale. Here's the person coming in. He I I am I, I my mouth's <laughs> not working. I, I, I don't even I'm I'm looking at the paper and I don't even really notice. He gets on the scale. I don't even look at anything, I just go like this: 120 thing, and he puts on his clothes on and walks out. <laughs> I then go outside and I said to the official, "They're going to have to leave their clothes on if I'm going to be weighing them in." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my gosh. I thought, "Are you kidding me? I'm going to lose my job, you know, doing this." And I just it just was one of those things where you don't even and I should have known because I had a basketball coach in high school, and he called me the best hooker in the high school. And he taught me how to shoot a hook shot, so he we would do the <laughs> mic and drill together. But again, it was the seventies today. If my basketball coach our basketball coach would do that, probably wouldn't he'd probably have a meeting right with the principal and the athletic director and the parent who we've offended and everybody else but this this guy who was coaching at the time, that's what he had called us, so I should have really known with the wrestling background to be prepared of of
1: that but yeah I don't know that you can be prepared for that
0: well and I I wasn't I have gotten quicker with my reaction times with things right I wasn't even paying attention so I was writing down the person beforehand this next person was just in there getting ready they didn't have all they had on was their singlet right so I was like I didn't even look and I figured not to even say anything, right? It was better not to say anything. It was better just to get his weight, have a believe, and then
1: <laughs> I
0: was like, oh,
1: "No." We've had some streakers on this show. That's a streaker of a different sort, I guess. Mm-hmm. I heard mm-hmm. the streaker
0: one. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the
1: streaker ones was hysterical.
0: <laughs> I'm always amazed that streakers can run, and they always end up going over some type of pretty good-sized fence. Right. That's a pretty good athlete. I think we should get them on track or get him on some, you know, make sure they're part of our teams.
1: But I, I think your your reaction was priceless you said your mouth just quit working. But yeah. you you had a job to do. You were just filling out the job. Your eyes were staying up. Exactly. Just look at the scale. Just
0: look at the scale. All there is is a scale. We don't even care who they are. Well, and, and the and the kid felt. Like it was an acceptable thing to do. Like it wasn't his first rodeo, I don't think. No. Well and they have they have what policies? Well, they do in Florida now where where they tell, you know, the the male athletes and the female athletes what you have to keep on. Us too. With- uh, well, us too. But like I said, this was the nineties. And in the nineties <laughs> yeah. we were wearing those space suits mm-hmm. in the laundry room with the dryer on. You know, trying to lose that last yeah. half a yeah. yeah. pound. You know, now we don't do that. I mean we, yeah. you know, we're smart enough to not do that. But this was the nineties and I was like, Okay, we need some we need some reform in wrestling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like what was that Did conversation
0: like? He didn't make weight. I just have to know if he made (laughs) weight. He didn't make weight. Okay.
1: I was wondering what the wrestling coach conversation was like. Like, all right, dude. (laughs) we'll just start naked in here.
0: Yeah. We're going to make sure we (laughs) have some. I mean, it was. The thing was, it was legal to weigh in naked then. So it was legal, right? So. They should have never put me in that position to have that. Right. So I went back after it was all over. I said to the coach, Hey, look, it's still okay to do that. I get it. Then that's not going to be me weighing them in. Right. And we Mm -hmm. didn't have any girls at the time. Right. Now we have a bunch of girls, but now they're all dressed. So it doesn't matter who weighs in anybody in 2022. But back then I said, I won't be doing the weigh-ins anymore. We will have, I'll either get a male administrator, I'll get whatever. Because they were allowed to do it. It was acceptable. He wasn't trying to break a rule, right? Yeah, I mean, now yeah. it would be breaking a rule. So I, I just needed to be smarter
1: about it. <laughs> well, that, now they have <laughs> things like the hydration test and all that all right. stuff to make yeah. sure that you're not pulling too much. And yep. Um, yep. A, yep. as a wrestler, I, I saw all the tactics that people use, shaving all their hair, eating X-Lacks brownies, whatever they had to do to be able yeah. to kind of cut weight. Yeah. But I think the hydration test now is a good thing. But thinking back on it, some almost 30 years later, you look back and say, why didn't we just have a male coach in there, mm-hmm. to do, especially if there was no females in there? Right. Yeah.
0: Well, and I th- there's certain two sports that make me cry a lot of times. Lots of sports make me cry. But two <laughs> sports that I often will get teared up just by the amount of effort, and they're cross country and wrestling. And they're uh, cross country, those kids a lot of times don't have a huge crowd, et cetera. But what they put themselves through in a day in, a day out, and then at a race. And then, you know, everybody said, oh, it's just a minute and a half for a round for JV. It's two minutes around for varsity. I'm like, it's only two minutes. How hard can wrestling be? You know, and for those of us who don't have wrestling experience, you watch what those kids go through to to really compete and to give their best effort. And we'll get kids who've never wrestled before, who you see them giving, going beyond where they ever thought they could give, right? They've never put themselves into a position of such uncomfortability. And I think wrestling and cross country does that with kids where you, you're you're out on that mat by yourself. You're out on that course by yourself. And those kids, I just think, really say something about athletics education based athletics
1: but there's a couple points i'll make the worst place to stand at a cross country race is the finish line
0: correct never stand there
1: never stand that is there it's true that is the never stand there <laughs> you'll see all kinds of stuff
0: you learn that right away
1: right you don't want to see it in wrestling <laughs> there's nobody to blame it's one-on-one mm-hmm. and it's you against another person you can't say the quarterback didn't throw me the ball right Yep say well he missed the shot yep they turned it over
0: that was a bad set right you know that was a bad handoff none
1: of that not to mention all the footwork the agility the Mm -hmm. discipline that comes into those sports um you mentioned it i see our cross-country runners here every morning out running and they're putting when i was at the collegiate level i used to tell our kids i just need you to be good for 3.5 miles
0: I don't need you to be good for
1: 35 miles. I need you to run 3.5 really fast. So work on 3.5, don't work on 35. That was just my rationale with those kids. But the amount of work they put in, to to your point, Gene Ken, the amount of work those kids put in and put their bodies through is really remarkable. And people really don't appreciate that, I don't think. Yeah. And it's hard to go watch kids just run. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, It's not easy to do. But well, you,
0: if you're not in very good shape, you can't get to all the spots to see them,
1: right? Right. So
0: if you're the if you're the mom or dad or whoever that's not in very good shape, you're going to start at the you know the, you're going to see them take off and then you're going to go to the finish line. But we've got some great courses where you can you know take a little hike here and see them going up the hill, and taking up the hike. We've got some just gorgeous courts courses, but you got to you got to be on the hop to do that. So.
1: So as as we take some takeaways from your wrestling weighing store, I think we've hit a couple of them, obviously, but <laughs> is there something you look back on thinking, man, we could have done this differently, or this has shaped what we've done, or this is how it has changed in the 30 years since?
0: Well, I mean, communication is just so different to now. I think communication, you know, is is crucial in everything that we do. Communication, organization. Um when I started, I tell people I showed up, <laughs> made sure there was a couple officials there, um, and then kind of watched the game. Um, I think now you know, you've got a Google Doc with every sport listed and what's going on and what happens. Um, you have your emergency action plan that none of us had. I, you know, I didn't have an AED when we started. We have three AEDs now on our campus. Uh, we didn't have breakaway bases when I started. Uh, we had until I went to a national conference and heard the story about, hey, saw the pictures of people in their ankles. Um, but the the law and the liability and all of our legal duties, I think, are just so much on the forefront. Um, when I started, I was a full-time teacher. Now, I don't teach any classes. Um, I consider my, when people say, well, what is really an athletic director? I say, I'm the coach of the coaches and I'm the servant of the kids and the community. Um, and so I think what the main thing that has happened is there's, there's so much more communication. However, the best communication, just like that school van, you still have to go above and beyond to get, to ask for you know, clarity and making sure that you have really done your due diligence with um, coaches. And, you know, I'll walk out to a track practice and I'll see some new guy who's over at the shot put ring and I'll go, hmm, who's that? And that coach will say, oh, well, he's just going to come out for a day a week, right? Well, he's going to have to get fingerprinted, TB tested, da 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 No one, you know, you, those spring sports especially, you kind of see people uh, that are out there so, I think our job has just it has become much more administrative. You have to really look to remind yourself the reason you do it is to watch kids show off their talents and their treasures and what when you watch that first football game of the year with those frost off kids, and then on week ten, and you're like, "Wow, look what just happened in these last eleven weeks, you know, or when you take that cross country kid." Who on their first race, it took them 28 minutes to get to the finish line. And that last race, and they now are, you know, in the teens. Um, those are the things that why we do this job. And I think it's hard, we have to remember why we do it. And I think that's why the NIAAA, our state organizations, for me, CSABA, are so important. They remind me why I get my professional development? I stay current. You know, I read everything that I can possibly read. The IAA, the HST, take leadership training classes because I think if you stand still, this this job is just it changes every single year. There's a new law class every year. There's a new. I feel like you just watch the LLTI classes, right? You just find out what the names of them are, and you can tell what's going on in our world. So the newest class, one of them is mental health, right? Mental health, huge, right? We never, I have coaches. I know my basketball coach would have never let me have a mental health day, right? You would have <laughs> never walked into practice and said, Hey, coach, I can't be here today. I, I, I just not feeling right. I, I'm going to go home. And then, well, they would have gone get on the line, right? <laughs> Do another suicide, now you can walk into it and you can say to your coach, hey, coach, you know, I'm really having a hard time right now. What do you think? And that coach is going to say, I'm so glad you came by. Let's let's see what we can do for you. Right. So I think you just look at those leadership training classes and you know what's going on. We have, you know, the new uh, emergency preparedness. I mean, we just had another tragedy at school. I think all of us think about those. Um, we lost an athletic director, you know, in the last couple of years at a site, and so I think emergencies and all of those things. I just think you have to stay current. You just have to watch podcasts. You have to listen to people. You have to do things that keep you wanting to get better every day.
1: Well, I think you said something, and I, I wrote it down. But you said you're a coach to the coaches, that you're a servant. To the students. And that is something I think we need to remember in our profession. And those that are listening to this podcast need to understand we do what we do for the kids and we're serving them. And I heard a guy tell us one time and I think it's really deep but it's really profound. He said look for ways to serve, not to shine. And so if we're serving others get that opportunity to shine and that's what we do. I think that sums up our profession in a nutshell.
0: Yeah
1: I, I would agree. Yeah, side. Dean Kent, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for having uh, some some humor with us, having some opportunity. I really enjoy your perspective and to be able to look at, look at the longevity of Title IX and how that's changed, but also how the AD profession has changed in that time since you've been in it. Is really remarkable to me, and I thank you for being a pioneer. I thank you for being a trailblazer. I thank you for being as committed as you are to this profession, and to being Biking Thirty Three. I think that's important that you have <laughs> done that for this long. Uh, kudos to you for that, and thank you for jumping on here with us. Well, I appreciate you and
0: just, you and Danielle, and it's been an honor to be to be with you this morning. I echo that as well. Thank you. Um, it, it was great to catch up and it is, I want to probably pick your brain even more because it's fascinating that you got to kind of grow up with it in a very unique perspective. And I just, I just found that to be so, so interesting. So thank you to everything that you've done, um, for, you know, your kids at your school and, and for the athletic director profession. So thank you. And also thank you to David Spicket, who is our sponsor and makes this episode and every episode of Paradox possible. Thank you, everybody. Bye.